1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to be with you on The Answer. 98.9 Columbus, 94.5 Dayton. You can watch the show on Facebook. Search The Bruce Hooley Show. Email the show, Bruce at SalemMedia.com, Bruce at SalemMedia.com uh you wake up today to a stark reality gas prices are up everywhere columbus 429 a gallon is the norm uh miami county near dayton has the highest prices over in southwestern ohio at 421 although i'm guessing that there will be uh prices higher than that at other places in the miami valley so um guess what at least electricity prices are going up too yes Just in time for air conditioning season with the warm weather this week, uh, the uh, PUCO is expected to soon confirm rate hikes for American Electric Power in Columbus and Duke Energy in Southwest Ohio. How much is your bill going up? Hmm? If you use a thousand kilowatt hours every month, and I have no idea whether that's a standard measurement for the average household or not, you're going to spend $18 more on your bill. If you are in southwest Ohio, Duke's energy, Duke Energy's increase is slightly less. You're going to pay about 10 bucks more per bill. So, course of the summer, chances are you're going to be using more air conditioning, more electricity. The uh, volatility of natural gas and coal said to blame for that because guess what? Heat generates friction, which generates electricity. And none of us like to be hot in the summertime. We pretty much all have air conditioning, so we run our air conditioning, and all the standard fixes are what they always say. Oh, keep your temperature as high as you can stand it. Plug all your leaks. Run your dishwasher at night. Does anybody have a solution to getting the prices lower? Uh, No, not this guy. The President of the United States, Joe Biden, at the podium moments ago. Uh, So we will start hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show with a buffet of lies, I am sure.
2: For every worker I met who's gained a little bit of breathing room to seek out a better-paying job, for every entrepreneur who's gained the confidence to pursue their small business dreams, I know the families all across America are hurting because of inflation. I understand what it feels like. I come from a family where Mm. when the the price (laughs) of gas or food went up, we felt it. It was a discussion at the kitchen table.
1: Okay. Okay. Does anybody really believe... That Joe Biden, who's been in the Senate for 40 years and vice president of the United States for eight years and president of the United States for a year and a half, really has a deep burning inside himself for people who are experiencing the pains of inflation. The guy who can take a car service to the office, the guy who on a senator's salary and a vice president's salary of less than $200,000 a year has managed to build himself an accrued wealth of over $15 million. Is anybody buying that? I'm not. Continue.
2: I uh, I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation uh, very seriously and it's my top domestic priority.
1: I would take it more seriously. I would believe you if you weren't reading all of this off a teleprompter.
2: And I'm here today to talk about solutions. And there's going to be more we're going to have to talk about as well.
1: Okay, so uh, let me preview him. I don't know what he's going to say. He's going to blame Republicans. He's going to demonize the oil companies. He's not going to say anything about increasing domestic energy production.
2: Go. But first, I want us to be crystal clear about the problem. Mm. Wait a minute. I forgot. He's going to
1: blame Vladimir Putin and everybody but himself.
2: There are two leading causes of inflation we're seeing today. The first cause of inflation is a -a once-in-a-century pandemic. Not only did it shut down our global economy, it threw the supply chains and demand completely out of whack.
1: Uh, The pandemic did not shut down our economy. The politicians shut down our economy. The pandemic was the justification they used to shut down our economy. But after an understandable first few months, we could have reopened everything, And proceeded with our lives or been given the choice, the freedom to do that. But, of course, the Trump administration was blocked from doing that by the howls from the left that you're going to kill everyone. And then when Joe Biden took office with therapeutics and vaccines, which I don't believe really work least not nearly as effectively as they say because you can still get covid look at all the people in the government who've gotten covid when they're double vaccinated and double boosted they still wouldn't reopen things so it's not the pandemic's fault it's the federal government's response to the pandemic
2: especially in countries where more effective recovery responses uh, uh, weren't available especially in those sectors that rely on semiconductors THESE SUPPLY CHALLENGES HAVE BEEN FURTHER uh, HAMPERED uh, BY uh, THE ONSET OF DELTA AND OMICRON VIRUSES. AND YOU'VE ALL SEEN IT, YOU'VE ALL FELT IT. AND THIS YEAR WE HAVE A SECOND CAUSE, A SECOND CAUSE, MR. PUTIN'S WAR IN UKRAINE. YOU SAW, WE SAW IN MARCH THAT 60% OF INFLATION THAT MONTH WAS DUE TO PRICE INCREASES AT THE PUMP.
1: YEAH, OKAY. 60% of the inflation in March, which I don't buy his numbers, he says was due in March. What about the inflation up to March? What about the fact that gas was under $3 a gallon before, a year before this, before Putin went in? And of course, he's not going to take any blame, any responsibility for the fact that his feckless withdrawal from Afghanistan emboldened Putin to go in, in Ukraine. Everything. This is the everything is somebody else's fault presidency, even though he has complete control of power in Washington. He's got the White House, his cohorts have the Senate and the House, and all they can do is like the reverse Midas touch. Everything they turn, everything they
2: touch turns worse. For gasoline, Putin's war has raised food prices as well. Because Ukraine and Russia, two of the world's major breadbaskets for wheat and corn, are essentially completely stalled. Ukraine has 20, 20 million tons of grain in storage and silos right now. They're trying to figure out how to get out of the country to market, which would reduce prices around the world. Maybe it'd be a good
1: idea then to give them planes so they could beat back the Russian assault. So they could keep their southern port of Mariupol out of Russian hands so we could get exports out of Ukraine. Maybe that would have been a better idea than sitting idly by and being afraid to help them in the beginning when you knew the assault was coming. Again, your fingerprints are all over every single solitary failure.
2: Normally, normally we'd have already begun to export them into the market but it's uh, but it hasn't because of Putin's invasion so we're working with our European partners to get this food out into the world so it could help bring down prices but it's difficult because again of Putin and the Russian invasion of Ukraine and those two major contributors to inflation are both global in nature that's why we're seeing historic inflation in countries all over the world but here's the good news Because of the actions we've taken, America is in the stronger position to meet this challenge than just about any other country in the world. Some of the roots of the inflation are outside of our control, to state the obvious. But there are things we can do and we can address and we need to do. That starts with the Federal Reserve, which plays a primary role in fighting inflation in our country. I put forward highly qualified nominees to lead that institution and I strongly urge the Senate to confirm them without delay. The Fed has a dual By the way, Jerome
1: Powell's the head of the Fed, and Jerome Powell was the head of the Fed under Donald Trump. So I don't know what he's talking about.
2: responsibilities. First is achieving maximum employment and second is stable prices. And while I'll never interfere with the Fed's judgments and decisions or tell them what they have to do, they're independent. They're independent. I believe that inflation is our top economic challenge right now.
1: Oh, thanks, Captain Obvious.
2: I think they do, too. I've built a strong, we've built a strong economy with a strong job market. And I agree with what Chairman Powell said last week, that the number one threat is the strength, and that strength that we built is inflation. So the-
1: Okay, okay. The strength that we built is inflation? Does that make sense to anybody? Of course it doesn't make sense to anybody. He's reading this. He has no personal knowledge of the issue. He has no personal accountability on the issue. He will not, he refuses to acknowledge that his dialing back, shutting off the valve of domestic energy production, where we were energy independent from the world, played any role in this, he will not face what anybody with a working brain knows, that gasoline is the commodity that drives our country. It drives transportation, which is to and from work. It drives the price of goods, the cost of goods getting to market. This is such an easy issue to fix. But you heard him ramble on and on and on, blame divert, distract. He has no intention of fixing these issues. He will be held to account only by the midterm elections. And then he will be a lame duck president for the longest term in the history of the presidency. And it can't happen too soon. That is so depressing to hear Joe Biden. I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, he never takes responsibility for anything. He's blaming Republicans. He's saying that they want to raise your taxes and they have no plan for getting gas prices down. No, they, they, they have they don't have a plan. They have a solution. Their solution is to unleash our domestic energy industry like it was unleashed under President Trump. Like It would be one thing if it was a theoretical, we think we can go out and find energy, but we know we have the energy. He prattles on and on and on about 9,000 oil. They're sitting on 9,000 oil leases. Well, there are two reasons they're sitting on those oil leases, because they are not unexplored lands. They are lands that have been explored and have not borne fruit. They have not yielded. So, you know. The old saying, you can't get blood out of a turnip. You can't get oil out of a dry portion of ground either. And, and he has raised, skyrocketed the tax that oil companies must pay to the federal government in order to drill on federal lands. So every signal he is sending and has sent to oil companies is to depress the market of domestic energy. And yet he has the temerity to stand there and say, oh, the evil oil companies are hoarding all their profits, and they're not doing anything, and the Republicans have no plan. No, they have a plan. Clear out of the Oval Office, which you unquestionably will in 2024, and if Americans have the good sense to return a free market president to that office, uh, you will see along about 2026 how gas prices magically come down. That's depressing, four years from now. But it took Ronald Reagan most of his first term to get inflation under control because of the ineptitude of the Carter administration. And it will take the next president some time to steer us, hopefully can be done, back to prosperity. But there's an amazingly committed wing of the progressives and the leftists in this country to not offer real solutions because real solutions are not what they want. We hear this phrase in conjunction with social issues like abortion or curriculum in schools. The phrase is burn it all down. Burn it all down. There's more truth in that phrase, burn it all down, than a lot of us want to recognize or do recognize. Because to us, burning down, figuratively or literally, this country is nonsensical. Why would you do that? We live in a great country. We've got a great system. We're the most prosperous country in the world. Why would you want to burn it all down? Because the people who want to burn it all down don't see it that way. They believe in a socialist, Marxist utopia that has been tried and has never, ever come to fruition in any country where it has been tried. And when you hold up countries like Venezuela, Cuba, Russia, as proof that those ideas are fail miserably and a lot of innocent people end up dead due to dictatorial fascism and they say well it's never really been tried we have a we have a different way of doing it or it's never been done the right way yeah sure ask the victims of mao ask the victims of stalin They would not be anxious to sign up again for it. Ask any Cuban-American who emigrated from Cuba under the reign of Castro. They'll tell you they're not anxious to sign up for the AOC, Pramila Jayapal, Ilhan Omar American dream. Because it's decidedly a nightmare. Now, I hold out hope that most Americans are not being fooled. By this lunacy? Here's Carl Rove on America's Newsroom this morning talking about the latest poll results regarding the economy, inflation, and the hmm, job Joe Biden is doing. Take a look at this poll. Think about this. The economy is poor. New poll. Everyone, 77% said the economy is poor, despite all those nice numbers that Jen Psaki had. Republicans, 94%. That's to be expected. We're a partisan country. Tribal moment. The Republicans don't like the Democrat president. But independents, 81% of them say the, the economy is poor, and those are the people whose votes are going to decide the fall election. I don't see what Democrats hope will be an issue that changes the dynamic for the midterms, this um, raging reaction to a Supreme Court draft opinion, galvanizing Democrats. It's all they have, so I guess I'm not surprised they plan to use it. But I think most people watch protesters on television marching outside the home of Supreme Court justices, and they think, You know, it's one thing to disagree with what you might think is an impending court decision, but it's over the line to take to the streets and ruin the serenity of a neighborhood. By the way, those Supreme Court justices, uh, this was a very, very interesting point uh, made by Mark Penn, a Democratic pollster, uh, calling to account Jen Psaki, the White House liar-in-chief, saying that, well, you know, the protests aren't that bad. I mean, they're peaceful. Nobody got hurt. Uh, Mark Penn points out the hypocrisy in that comment.
2: I don't really think it's a very good messaging look. After all, the president lives with three or four layers of security and you can't get within thousands of feet of of the White House. And yet these Supreme Court justices live in suburban homes, easily accessible. And so they're really quite vulnerable. And so you would really want the, the the presidents, the executive branch, to come out quite strongly for protection of the Supreme Court justices and even to put you know put in some distance around them and their safety. And you didn't see that from Jen Psaki. I thought her comments were weak, frankly.
1: Her comments are weak, and the statement issued by the White House earlier this week condemning the violence. In Wisconsin at a an adoption agency. You put out a statement condemning violence at an adoption agency, but you don't say anything in the statement about the implied threat to Supreme Court justices safety by people screaming and yelling outside their homes. That's a tacit approval of thug mob tactics.